1: It's the bottom of the seventh inning, the last chance to order beer. But we didn't come here to drink beer, we came
2: here to win this ballgame. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. And in order to sing the right lyric, take me out
1: with the crowd, You need to sing it like our greatest American entertainer, Mr. Daffy Duck. So I want you to spray it and don't say it. A one, a two, a three. Take
2: me out to the ball game. Take me out with... Welcome back into The Run. This episode, we are talking about the World Series. It's the Cubs and the Indians in this 10-part podcast from Odyssey and Major League Baseball. I am Matt Spiegel of 670 The Score, and he is Roy Wood Jr. of The Daily Show and much more. And and Roy, it's mind? at this point that I realize that um, the World Series did not just mean what it meant for me, like I was there doing radio shows and going to games in Cleveland and everything, but the
0: whole country is doing uh, very, very different things, um, as were you. There was a whole presidential election happening. There were scandals and emails and audio tapes. The Access Hollywood tape—like it's complete chaos. So I'm in a I'm in a state of mind where the best I can hope for is to keep one eye on the uh-huh. Cubs. I'm seeing what's happening. I am excited. I am connected. I am active in the journey. But also another scandal just broke, and I've got to go see what's going on with that.
2: This is, uh, seems to be a moment where a lot of people, though, can maybe give this some focus. Like, this, here's an opportunity. Oh, Cubs, first time this is 1945 against the Indians? Like, it, whenever you had the chance, I bet you were dying to dive into a ball game and just think about
0: this stuff instead. Yeah, like, at it, it, any given moment, like, it was, it was to the point where I was, like, I was on, like, random cub Reddit threads, like, I saw Kyle Schwarber use his left hand to reach up and get something at the grocery store today. I think he might be back in time for the Dodgers. I was like, ah, this feels good. So by the time we got to the World Series and we kind of gotten past the whole, the glitz and the glamour and getting down into the actual games, That's when my nervousness started to come because there's excitement and elatement, right? And then it's time to play baseball.
2: Yeah, man. And it is it is time in Cleveland. Um, This episode is me and Roy hanging out with you and the Cubs and the Indians. We've had a lot of special guests. We've got more coming, but this is about breaking down games one through three. And Roy, me and my partner, Jason Goff, at The Score, and our producer, Jay Zawoski, we got into Cleveland that morning and went right over to the ballpark to get our World Series credentials. And that place was already buzzing. It was a good, like, 13 hours before game time, but it was already buzzing and had a very cool feel to it. And Cleveland was confident you know Terry Francona hadn't lost a World Series game at that point in his life as a manager? He had been in two World Series, swept them both, 8-0 in the World Series for Terry Francona.
0: (laughs) I remember I was starting to text with some of my, you know, comedy buddies from Cleveland. Shout out to the homie Ryan Dalton and Ramon Rivas. And we were starting to put down a few gentlemanly bets. And I'll I'll be honest, I was a little hesitant because— I lost, lost a little bit of money to comedian Tony Rock when the Mets swept the Cubs the year before. So I was still licking my wounds, but I was very happy for the city of Cleveland. This is when I knew America was starting to pay attention, though, bro, was when late night started doing sketches and talking about the Cubs and Indians.
1: But I think I can safely say, without any fear of jinxing it, They're going all the way. The Cubs are gonna win the World Series. Yeah. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I'm not scared of you knuckle-kneed sheep wannabes anymore.
2: Oh, that feels good.
0: And, you know, traditionally the Cubs, you know, lovable losers, but when I started seeing the sketches, I was like, oh, there's a little bit of respect. People are paying attention. This isn't, a run of the mill world series this is cubs indians these are two teams that have been perennially cursed and i think this might be this is this is something the country the country's going to need an
2: escape from so you know teams can set their rosters a new before every round of the playoffs. And during the Dodgers series, there were these rumors that Kyle Schwarber was out in Arizona taking swings. And then he played in two games for the Arizona Fall League. And it's like, oh my God, he's actually gonna do it. Cause he got hurt in April on a violent collision in the outfield. And they put him on the World Series roster and here comes the lineup for game 1 and Kyle Schwarber is in the World Series roster in the five hole and nobody knows if he can run it's like all right do we need a designated runner for this dude let him swing and then here comes Ron Washington out to like actually run to first and do that kind of thing what the hell's going to happen here but <laughs> but but there he is so the cubs you're feeling good cuz John Lester was a World Series killer too John Lester as a Red Sox pitcher was one of the greatest World Series pitchers of of all time, like up there with Babe Ruth before he was a hitter. These are real stats. So it's Lester and Kluber with Schwarber in the lineup, and people were psyched for game number one. Yeah,
0: I think that part of it also for me, I guess what gave me a little bit of calm was in knowing that the Cubs had been here before. We We already had our jitter year. You know, you 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 got in the year before, and you know the Mets. You know the Mets did what they were supposed to do to us, but you figured this year, okay, we're more calm, and we'd already slayed the Los Angeles Dodger dragon. Yes, uh, and so I felt good, and then immediately the Indians come out and get two runs in the first. Lester and Lester is
2: exposed right away as he has those yips those weird ass yips where he doesn't like to throw to first and he just stares at a dude and everybody knows they can just move on him and it's it's Lindor, there goes Lindor.
1: no chance for us stolen base
2: but I hated Lindor, man, because he was smiling and happy and messing with everybody and owning John Lester, like, you know, jumping way off for a big lead and then going back into first, and and Lester and Ross could not control him at all.
1: Lester does not throw over to first. The teams try to make him uncomfortable with a running game, whether it's dropping down a bunt, making him field his position, getting a huge lead, making him, daring him to throw over but he just will not do it
0: he reminded me of Kenny Lofton back in the 90s where I'm going to steal this base I have decided I haven't decided when so I'm just going to toy with you and you could see it just going through Lester's mind like Lester throws out people so infrequently at first that there's a round of applause whenever it's done like if he just successfully hits the mitt At first, there's an applause break. Meanwhile, Corey Kluber is effing cooking dogs. Eight eight
2: strikeouts through three innings. Probably going to win Cy Young that year. Just unbelievably good and looking great. And there's Lester getting hit a little bit. And then Lester gets hit a little bit more with Roberto Perez. Roberto Perez. All, I mean, really. <laughs> if it's Jose Ramirez, if it's Lindor, I can hang. But Roberto Perez,
0: please. <sighs> but yeah, yeah. It, it it was it was it was it was stressful. And you know, Schwarber, I think he answered a lot of questions. You know, he managed to double in the fourth, but you know, they stranded him. But it was good to see. Okay, the bat. Absolutely, the bat's still he there. hit
2: it deep to right field off that wall and looked good running and, you know, settles into second base, it's like, oh, my God, maybe he is going to be a weapon because Schwarber was legendary stuff from, from the year before in the playoffs and because the, the scouts that, that grabbed Schwarber at the beginning told Theo Epstein, you know, you need to get this guy because he's Babe fucking Ruth. That's what they said about Schwarber because he was so quiet at the plate and looked big and kind of old school. So, you know, we were excited uh, to see Schwarber back in that lineup in a big way. But Cleveland gets it done with Kluber, with Roberto Perez, and then Andrew Miller is like this relief ace, uh, unparalleled relief ace, gets himself into trouble but gets out of trouble in a couple innings, and Cubs are down. It's 6 nothing after one. And gotometer feelings, a gotometer check. Like, like you said, man— it felt like gravy in a way. Like Cubs had had their year the year before, which was fun. House and then money. here, they made it to the World Series. It felt like house money. And after game one, I'm thinking, all right, maybe they'll lose the World Series. But look, this is the fifth year of a, of a five-year plan. And we're here. Cubs are here. And it's just the beginning. The 2-2.
0: Indians win game one. Yeah, it's OK. We're going to lose. But hey, it's OK. It's OK.
1: Clover the winner, three and one this postseason. Lester the loser, two and one. In a three-hour, thirty-seven-minute game.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there the Cubs are having lost game one and you got to get game two. You got to try and get a split because going back home down 2-0. And if you get a split, then it feels great in a World Series like that. <laughs> And it's Arietta who is, you know, it wasn't as good in 2016 as he was in 2015 when he won Cy Young, but, like, nobody was. Arietta was outrageously good then. And he's going against Trevor Bauer. You remember what Bauer did before this game? Remember how he hurt the pinky? No.
0: Did he punch a wall? He seems like a wall puncher.
2: He was flying a drone around the field, and he cut his pinky on his own drone and it was all severed and he had stitches Ah. but it's the pinky on his pitching hand and there was talk that maybe he would not even be able to pitch weird guy as we
0: know why (laughs) would like there's some there's certain injuries where you just go and it's not even the injury it's when the injury happens and you just go dude Open propeller blades? That's what we're playing with. Right. You got a 45, 48, whatever the year curse is on the line yes. here. And once it's 45, whatever it was, you should be playing with swirling yeah. propeller I, I, blades. Sir. I, I,
2: ridiculous.
0: Ridiculous. So but
2: Bauer's able to go and he goes, luckily Arietta was way better. Arietta was great. Didn't I give up a hit through five innings? You're thinking, is this a World Series no-hitter? for Jake Arietta at this point, and it seemed possible. But then he gets into the sixth, gets in a little bit of trouble, and, and gets taken out.
1: Arrieta, didn't allow a hit, through five and a third, is knocked out in the sixth, up by four.
2: But the story on offense is Schwarber. Two RBI singles, drove in a couple of runs, Zobrist with uh, a sliding triple. Just some beautiful stuff. And it, it's important to remember how good Zobrist was at the plate, actually, in both the first two games, because he, he wins MVP eventually, and everybody thinks it's just about that big hit in Game 7. Oh, no. He was great with the bat in the first two
0: games. You love Zobrist. He was also in left field that game as well. It's worth noting. Like, Zobrist is kind of being like the Swiss Army Chris Bryant type. at that point. Game two was also interesting because this began the beginning of the Aroldis Chapman. Oh my God, why is he in the game right now? Feelings.
2: Yeah, because Aroldis is in to finish off a five to one game and you got the closer out there doing it and you're thinking, why? Why is Aroldis out there in this
0: situation? Considering the way that Cleveland's bats came to life the day before, I can only wonder if that was in the back of Joe Madden's mind, and maybe that's why you just bring out your guy to just shut him down and completely close the door. And you're also paying him a gajillion, billion, trillion dollars, so why not?
2: Let's talk about Jake Arietta for a second, though, Roy, who starts this game. Arietta was an unbelievably great trade acquisition. By Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, I'll never forget they traded a backup catcher Steve yes. Clevenger and a bad pitcher Scott Feldman to the Orioles for Pedro Strope and Jake Arrieta. One of the all-time trades because Strope ends up being a key part of the bullpen for years and years, and Arrieta turns into one of those guys who the Cubs were able to unlock. He it, everybody thought he had good stuff, but the Orioles. The Orioles, let's just say they had a reputation as the sucker at the table. Like, if you can take something from the Orioles, <laughs> like Kevin Gossman right now, people wanted him forever from the Orioles. Now he's in San Francisco and he's absolutely killing it for them all year and here in the postseason. So, and this was Arietta before Gossman. Was that everybody wanted Arietta? The Cubs got him and
0: they unlocked him. Theo. Theo was basically Bugs Bunny in all of those old-school negotiations in the Bugs Bunny cartoons. One for you, one, two for me. Two for you, one, two, three for me. On that
2: deal, one of the greatest trades uh, in, in Cubs history and, oh, I mean, one of the greatest trades in baseball history, really, when you think about what those guys were able to contribute to a World Series team. And Arietta and was rolling. Um, another thing to realize here is that Jason Hayward wasn't playing. We we talked no, about Hayward. this with Joe Madden, right? Didn't Joe talk about how Hayward was displeased
0: with him? Yeah, uh, Hayward talked about it after <laughs> Game Seven as well. But yeah, because you had Chris Coghlan in right in Game One, and then you had Jorge Soler start in right in Game Two, and Hayward has not seen the field until he pinched runs late in game two. And that's a big money free agent
2: acquisition who had a terrible offensive year and Joe Madden had to do what he had to do and sit him down. And it just speaks to what we'll eventually talk about in game seven, how Hayward still, even though his playing time had been reduced, his role had been reduced, he still felt strong enough in stature to lead the conversation during the rain delay. It's pretty badass.
0: Yeah, it definitely was, and I mean, he's still a great defensive replacement. I mean, his arm is definitely, I'd argue, top five in the game at the time, right then. Like, he's not a guy you want to run on. No,
2: not at all, and man, I love a beautiful right field arm. It's one of the great things about the game when guys are scared to go from first to third, and 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 you're just and you just know <laughs> that uh, an absolute pea shooter is coming out of that shoulder socket and just gonna fire something across the diamond.
0: Yeah. So Mike Montgomery came in for relief, Veretta in the sixth, and then after that it was the Chapman show. hmm And Theo
2: and Jed and Jason McLeod out in the stands cheering it on. The Cubs close it out with a five-one win in game two, and look, all this stuff is like precursor to the first World Series game at Wrigley since 45. that That's the thing, is we get to that day, and that day, Thursday the 27th of October, when you know there's going to be a World Series game at Wrigley, was just... That, that city felt like very few things I have ever been a part of. We did, did the radio show from around the corner right there at Sluggers across the street and around the corner from Wrigley doing the show right there, just kind of feeling the vibe. And everybody in town was either talking about where they were going to watch the game or frantically looking for World Series tickets.
0: Here's, here's a broader question that might be better for a later episode, but I'm going to ask you now. Knowing the mood and the vibe and the feel of that city, at any point did you think it was possible for the Cubs to sweep and clinch the World Series at home?
2: Absolutely on the table, thinking about that. Thinking about that possibility that, all right, they're going to come home, they're going to feel it so perfectly that they are— they are going to just feel the magic with the fans and they've been rolling they've been the best team in baseball yes absolutely on the table that they just win 3 in a row and end it right here
0: okay so then follow up question do you think the city of chicago would have survived the 3 days of chaotic celebrating that would have followed clinching at home instead of on the road
2: i i, I don't know i don't know the the
0: the <laughs> volume
2: of liquid in the streets the the liquor mixed with urine and blood and just whatever whatever people were doing that ended up flowing in the streets the tears right I can't leave out the tears the tears might have been more volume than anything else would have been crazy
0: I don't think it would have been as crazy as when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl and that guy ate a horse turd I don't think Chicago would be that. that that happy happy but you don't want to be that happy So, game three comes. Now, with that, like, how did you all feel? Like, because, it, like, how important was it, I guess, first off, to get the first win? Like, did that give you a breath? Just as a Cubs fan, did that give you a breath of relief of, okay, we still know how to play baseball? Yes. Maybe we can beat Absolutely.
2: Um, this is going to be a real series, Thought this was going to be, uh, you know, a real series and was going to go at least five games, maybe six, maybe seven, because the Cubs got a split. So they're not going to get swept out and it's not going to be some ugly memory in in that way. So about five days before game three, I'm texting with my father, who is 83 years old at the time, the archetypal baseball fan of my youth, of course. And he says, you know, I'm going to be in town next week. And I said, well, Dad, that's game three of the World Series. And my 83-year-old dad says, OMG. You know, he's not a guy to use an acronym. He's never been to a World Series game. And so it becomes my mission. And I'm going crazy for five days. I got to find tickets to the hottest game in the history of this town, maybe, to to take my father. My brother, who lives in New York where you do, says, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. I'll, I'll buy tickets. We got to go. Me, me, you, and dad have to go. And I'm like, uh, uh, all right. So he makes his flight plans. He's looking around at tickets. So for five days, he's playing StubHub Chicken like you did um, for Game 7. And yeah. we'll get to that. I love that story. So my brother's playing StubHub Chicken. And I'm looking, I'm calling everybody. I'm asking media members. I'm asking former players, whatever, trying to get two tickets, trying to get three tickets. I have a (laughs) credential. So if I get two (laughs) tickets, I'll send them, and then I'll go down and sit with them for a little while, and then I'll go back upstairs, you know, do whatever. The morning of the game, I find out I have two tickets. Unbelievable, so happy, it's all coming together. My brother's flying in, my dad is here. 11.30, I find out I have two more tickets. (laughs) (laughs) so all of a sudden we're going and i get the opportunity who do i take i decide my girlfriend who's now my wife lifelong cub fan her dad used to take her and her sister to the wrigley bleachers on sunday the one day of the week that she would get to see her dad often would end up in the bleachers emotionally important i call her at work and i say what are you doing tonight And she said, why? And I said, you want to go to the World Series? And she broke down and cried there at work, knowing that she was going to get to go to Wrigley for the World Series. See, you
0: played that wrong, bro. You should have showed up in person, put them tickets in a flower bouquet. (laughs) I'll teach you romance. I should write you, a book.
2: Yes, you should. But here's the deal. I'm I'm also a single dad at this time trying to manage that stuff and, like, figure out where my kid's going to go and, like, manage the whole thing and get it all to happen. <laughs> it, it was It was a crazy day. But just cut to the evening when I get the chance to walk my dad into a World Series game after he had been the one walking me into baseball games, as a kid, just to make sure his legs are stable, I'm holding his arm, walking him through the crowd, in packed, insane Wrigley to get to the seats and we make it to the seats and he turns and he's looking around at the field, looking around at all the lights and he looks like a little kid as he's looking and I just sat down and bawled my eyes out, man, because you dream of being able to have that kind of moment with your pop when he was the guy who enabled your baseball everything in the first place you know is that i don't think i'll ever have a better experience at a ball game in that way because it's so personal right who knows if we're ever going to get stuff like that
0: that is downright beautiful it's beautiful It's
1: the first World Series here at Wrigley Field in 71 years. Some waited a lifetime to see this. Some waited a lifetime and never saw this. And for the first time in a long time, the stadium is as big a star in this series as anybody running around on that field behind me. And
0: then the game began and Coco Crisp hit a pinch hit RBI.
1: Coco Crisp delivers off the bench. And the first run of the night belongs to Cleveland.
0: Okay, so we're talking World Series. Now we have to talk game three. We have to talk about the actual game because you have just almost brought me to tears with bringing your father to this wonderful, hallowed ground to witness something that had not happened in his life since 1945. And I don't know if he went to the Cubs World Series game no. 45. Didn't seem like it the way... You painted the story. No, he was
2: uh, was actually born a a Red Sox fan, and so he was obsessed with the 1946 Red Sox in the World Series. And, you know, just the emotions of that for me and my dad is just like an example of the emotions of every Cub fan for them and their father, right? Them and their grandfather, and them and their relatives who aren't there, and, and everything like that. It's just it's just a vessel our job as as a vessel for the emotion uh, of everything but then there's the game and the cubs got to play oh yeah it's an actual game crazy electric atmosphere and Kyle Hendricks is the right guy cuz no matter how crazy things ever seemed on the field in the stands in the atmosphere that dude never changes right he's like he's like the calmest most sedate lowest pulse rate baseball pitcher I have ever seen, probably.
0: It's Greg Maddox 2.0, man. He literally, I never see him smile. I never see him frown. He's just focused on the next pitch, period. And he went out there and he went to work. Some good, good shutout ball.
2: The thing I, I always remember about this game is that, look, it ends up one nothing, and the run comes late, and, and we'll talk about it. But, like, from the get-go— that tension that was there at the beginning of the game for the very first pitch, it never subsided. It never—every single pitch— because of the score and the fact that it was tied and then it was one, like the outcome of the game could have changed on every single pitch of that entire night. So you never had an emotional break. It just kept staying right there on the high wire the entire time.
0: Yeah, and Josh Tomlin was putting in work, man. Shutout after shutout inning after shutout inning after shutout inning. And it wasn't until the 7th, uh, once Carl Edward II would come in in the six for Hendricks, uh, you know he gave up a single. There was a there was a wild pitch. Then there was a walk, and then Coco Crisp comes in, pinch hitting for Andrew Miller, who had come out of the pen earlier. And there's an RBI single uh, to right field for Coco Crisp. Delicious.
2: I like Coco Crisp with with milk. Almond milk is all right, but you need like. Two <laughs> percent, don't you think?
0: Oh, wait, you're the one with the jokes. What am I doing here, man?
2: That's
0: terrible. Nah. My God. The other thing that I think people forget about that game is that it was one nothing, but the Cubs had a chance in the bottom of the seventh, right after the Coco Crisp uh, RBI single in the top half. Solaire triples to right field, which is rare at Wrigley. Like, if you're tripling at Wrigley, you've got to— hit it high and slow, and it's got to get a weird carom, and the outfielder has to only have one eye, and you have to be fast. <laughs> like, so many things have to happen based on the dimensions of the ballpark, but you've got Soler at third and Javier Baez at the plate. I like them odds to tie the yeah, game. Yeah,
2: but, you know, man on third and two downs, two, two downs, tough spot. Tough spot for Javier Baez. And it's Brian Shaw at the time in that bullpen. So this is like, this is Francona doing his thing, right? Bullpenning his way through a World Series game really expertly. Miller and Shaw and then Cody Allen eventually to close it out. Those are his three dudes. And those are the three dudes who would come in anytime he really needed to try and close out a game. All three of those guys ended up pitching in game seven as well
0: talk to me a little bit about the bottom of the ninth
2: yeah cause bottom of the ninth with your five <laughs> bottom of the ninth you are exactly right that the Cubs have a chance Rizzo leads off against Cody Allen and singles and his pinch run for by Chris Coghlan and you're like here we go just need one to tie it. just need one to tie it. yes and Pops yeah. is perky. My dad, thank you for checking in on, on the well-being of my father at this point. He um, had been on social media all night long. Like, if we had to say, Dad, get off the phone. Would you please be present here at the World <laughs> Series? <laughs> <laughs> the hell, man? It was driving us crazy. So. Like, put it in your pocket, old man.
0: So Zobra strikes out. Contreras grounds to third. Coglin goes to second. So now a single would do the job. And
2: it's Hayward who reaches on an error, and Coglin goes to third, so it's first and third. And again, it's Baez. Had to be Baez in the seventh against Brian Shaw. Here it is. It's Baez in the ninth against Cody Allen. And Hayward steals second. So
0: now it's second and third. And Hayward has just standard wheels. He's not slow. But he ain't the guy. What a ballsy move by Madden. I want to be in a position to win on a single. Let's, so let's walk, walk off. it
2: off, right? And there's, and there's Javi with a chance, but it's a strikeout swinging.
1: One to nothing. As Baez strikes out at a pitch that was up.
2: But think about it, man. That tension from pitch one all the way through to a one-run rally in the seventh. Cubs get a chance to rally in the bottom of the seventh. Then they get another chance to rally in the bottom of the ninth. Tension like crazy, people standing almost the entire night. But in the end, no runs scored whatsoever. A one nothing loss for the Cubs. They only had five hits, and it was kind of anticlimactic to look up and see what the score was at the end of the night and realize they couldn't get it done.
1: And the Cleveland Indians have just thrown their fifth shutout in 11 postseason games this year. And the Cubs have been shut out for the fourth time this postseason.
0: Yeah, yeah, that one was definitely a letdown. And I know that it was quiet in the streets and also officially confirmed that there would not be a Cubs home World Series championship game.
2: You know, there's certain ballparks that are right in the middle of neighborhoods. Fenway is right in the middle of a neighborhood. Wrigley, obviously, right in the middle of a neighborhood where people live. People live on the streets, right around all those places. And there was legit questions about whether the infrastructure of Wrigleyville could handle <laughs> 40,000 people in the stands and another 30,000 just gathering around it for giggles for a World Series game. And, you know, people were wondering whether it could even handle that
0: kind of thing. You know, I, I'd gone the year before for, you know, the cubs Met series. And it's definitely a hike to get back to any t- Like, if you're just not, just take the train. You literally just need to take the train. Like, there, there's just, like, you couldn't even ride a bike It's so packed. And like, as we talk
2: about enough. it, I, now I'm picturing all those giant trucks. Like, I don't know what those things are. They're, like, bigger Then tow trucks, they're kind of like military-grade, city-owned blockade trucks that freak you out, frankly, when you see them all. And there was like 10 of them on every street around Wrigley for a half mile in every direction. Overwhelming.
0: It's like, yeah. Did we, did we dispatch the National Guard?
2: <laughs> Why is the Th- Guard That's what it <laughs> felt like. It absolutely felt terrifying on some levels. Like, what's going on here? Is there a war or just a
0: World Series?
2: Or both, perhaps?
0: Well, it was a good first three games for the Indians. But things start to take a turn in the Cubs' favor. And uh, we're going to talk with Sarah Spain next episode uh, from ESPN. And she is a... Huge Cubs fan. Like, she, we should have her tell the stories of how they go out to spring training. They treat spring training like some sort of big tailgate fest. I didn't even know baseball was tailgatable. That's not a word. But I didn't know that, that that's what we do in Arizona. Well, maybe I need to buy an RV. Yeah, man,
2: Sarah Sarah lived this World Series very close to it. You guys are tight. I'm looking forward to that conversation and looking forward to continuing here on The Run as games four, five, and six will get the focus in the next episode. Tell a friend about this podcast, The Run from Odyssey and Major League Baseball. The Run is a production of Odyssey in partnership with Major League Baseball. Jody Avergan of Roulette Productions is our executive producer. Justin Kaufman is senior
0: producer. Mixing by Joanna Ketcher at Nice Matters. Our theme song is a cover of Steve Goodman's Go Cubs Go by Chicago's very own The Hood Internet.
2: Special thanks to JD Crowley and Mike D at Odyssey and Nick Trotta at Major League Baseball. Mitch Rosen, Dustin Happley and Russ Matera and everybody else at 670 The Score. Also to everyone at Odyssey and Major League Baseball who helped make
0: this happen. And Matt, a very special thanks to Fred McGriff Candy Maldonado and Candy's brother, Salad Maldonado.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Salad, although the notoriously healthy Maldonado brother was not a member of the Cubs.
0: Roy. I think you should check your stats. Oh well. It's candy and a salad. We're like like the Alomar brothers, but but not as good.
2: And more delicious. <gasps>